Christ. This is the message that I believe God has given me this year. I want to tell you that at the head of the year, it's going to be in three parts because we do not have service next Saturday. But we are going to be breaking down some, um, just a, a couple of concepts that I believe are needed as we start off the new year and as we move forward in the direction that God has given us. I want this year to be all about us rekindling and burning for God. Amen. I want it to be about us maturing because we have to grow and strengthen, not just in our own way of thinking, but in a way that activates us to do the work that we're called to do, whatever it may be in the body. This is not going to be new to you, so I must say that in advance. Over the years, we've taught on this, but I'm teaching it in a different way because that word alive means something. It means something to us in this hour. And so I, you know, the, the slides are not displaying correctly here. But inside PowerPoint, they would. But real quick, I need somebody to open up Ephesians 1. And I need someone else to open up Ephesians 2. And from the New King James Version of the Bible, please, if you have that, if you have that version, you can look it up on your device and grab hold of both of those because we're going to be walking through Ephesians 2. But I want you to take a look at Ephesians 1. Now, one of the things I like to do with you guys is, is tell you a little bit about Bible history, the history of the Bible, the backdrop of the books that we're reading, because I believe the context of that gives us context for today. We used to do that a lot, and I got away from it, but one of the most, I've always done this, but when I was in seminary, I really gained the value of it, because sometimes we think we know the context of a thing. And we really don't know the context of that scripture. But as I do this, I want you to also know that there's a present interpretation. There's a now interpretation. We don't stick to the literal. We also have to find out the, le the, the um, investigative meeting, the, the revelatory meeting. We go through all of that. And this is how I've always studied and I've learned it. But there are other things you can learn from this process as well. You can see the posture and the mindset of the apostles. You can see the impact of Christ as they walk out the scriptures. You can see the world and the obstacles in which they were facing. You can see the struggles that they had to bear on their own, and you can look at how they handled it. You can compare their responses to what they were teaching and how they were living to the message of Jesus Christ. And it's important because most of the apostles walked with Jesus while he was in the earth. So that viewpoint is a little bit different. Are you with me on that? So I love this. Also, when you learn about the different gods they faced in the different cities, you realize this is no different than what we're dealing with today. So it allows us to see how they delivered a message at the cost of their lives in the midst of a community that loved them and hated them. You get to understand the governments, and I use governments that they were in because they often lived between Rome and Asia, and you, you follow what I'm saying? They were intermingling with all kinds of cultures from land to land to land, not just from city to city. So 
it's, it's, it's really important. And if you catch this and think about it, it'll bless you. But I don't want you to get caught up in the past, even though we're on a journey, right? Because God has something to say to us right now. Well, this should have been the, yeah. So anyway, so we have, um, this was written by Paul. He was in, in a physical prison because sometimes I've heard people teach when he say I'm enslaved, I've been bound. They're thinking he's, it's, it's a metaphorical understanding of, of many times he was actually in prison. He was actually wearing chains. I mean, chains around his ankle. So he wasn't just saying I'm in chains in my heart. He was using that for both reasons. Are you following? Now he's in prison. And um, this is this is what he's writing. He was in Asia Minor at the time. And if you understand the islands or that area, you'll know that um, this is modern day Turkey. And I wanted to point out, I looked this up when I was writing this because it's so important for you to know, listen, Paul ministered here over almost over 2000 years ago, but listen, still only 1% of that nation is Christian. There's a point to this. It's Sunni Islam, which is the most traditional form of um, Islam that you can get. Because sometimes we think that if we don't see immediate change, things are not happening. But there's still a 1%. Are you following? I just want you to see that. It's very interesting. This is by people's records because most of those countries, most countries have a declared religion. Are you following me? The United States, anything goes. But most countries have a declared religion. You can't go to their country and do whatever you want to do. But, you know... It's not like that here. Also in the heart of the city is one of those big wonders. I guess it's like a wonder of the world. It's the temple of Artemis. Now, the thing about this that I think is interesting, when Paul, remember, this was the gospel's first partake. There was no gospel before Paul entered that region. Are we understanding? These people only knew their gods, and there were a lot of gods, not just one. A lot because Artemis is in the, the Greek God spectrum. And um, I've studied a lot of that, watched a lot of movies in this. And it's very interesting, the things that they believe. But this was a gender neutral God that could um, that was about fertility. So I'm just letting you know that this is what was going on. There was moon worship, nature, all of that. But in Artemis, a lot of people try to portray Artemis in movies as female, but Artemis was both genders in their culture, right? I just, look, this is what Paul is dealing with, bringing the gospel for the first time. At the risk of his own life. Themes. There are too many themes to name, but I did list some out. The sovereignty of God, that, that is over the book of Ephesians. The sovereignty of God, God's grace, the mystery of God's power and his Christ, spiritual life and death, which is what we're dealing with in this series, and a little bit of salvation and grace. And we're going to do a whole month on salvation at one point. And there was an extreme emphasis on the divine nature of Christ and extreme emphasis on the covenant of Christ with the Gentile and the Jew. So we're going to hit that a lot, a lot, a lot. 
So now can somebody else turn with me to Acts 19? I know you might be saying, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Listen, there was a lot going on in the early church. A lot going on. So first of all, you have a, an apostle in prison. Locked up. At any time could be killed. You have him being literally one, among the first apostles to ever spread the gospel. Nobody ever heard the gospel before. You know, I think about a lot how if we, if we go back and really look at the timeline of the gospel, there are some religions that are so old that permeated the earth long before the gospel of Jesus Christ came and long before we even had the God of, of Abraham. We don't think about that. So where was the grace then? Right? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Not today, but we're going to talk about it in this series. I also want you to look at the temple of Artemis that was centered in this city. Go study that. And you'll be like, oh, that's just like all the stuff we're doing today. There's literally nothing new under the sun. In some ways, these things were worse. But it doesn't lessen the perversion of today, correct? But because of our conveniences, we can't often see what really is, correct? All right. So we have um, Paul, and he's in the midst of this place. And who has Acts 19? You have New King James? Yeah, can you stand up and come up here? Just come up here because I just want you to read it. Keeps me from having to put all these slides up. Yes. Go ahead. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So. Okay, so listen. This is very, very interesting. He's the first apostle there. But you heard there were already some believers in the midst, right? But look, all these believers around, and he walks up and he says, what? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Go on. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, do you see this? This is a profound passage of scripture. I'm going to use it in a modern day understanding. Were you baptized in the name of the pastor or the leader that guided you? Were you baptized in your own understanding? Were you baptized under something that may not have brought you the perfection that the Holy Spirit could bring? Can you see that there? Can you see that there? But here specifically, 
Paul wanted to make absolutely sure that they understood the fullness of what they had before them. This is where we're at right now. This is where everyone in this ministry should be. You should be in a place of saying, I want everything that Holy Spirit has given me access to through Jesus Christ. And I want to walk in the fullness of that. Keep reading. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. That's it. That's it, right? That's it right there for a moment. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Listen, this is the year where we're going to have to lay hands. And you're going to more than we have before. And you're going to have to trust that God is going to release these spiritual gifts to you. I'm showing you in scripture because we can't function outside of the Holy Spirit. This is a different message today. Are you following me? We need power. And we have it upon us, but it needs to be activated and stirred up in us. Necessary. Oh, my goodness. Go on. Read number verse 9. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Keep going. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jew and Greek. I want you to note that he didn't tarry with those who didn't want it. I have to show you this in scripture. Because if you're leading people and they don't want the gifts of the spirit, they don't want the baptism, they don't want to line up with what is necessary to walk in power, you have to move on with those who do. This is where we're at coming in 2024 with all the changes facing the ministry, with all the things God is getting ready to do. We're not prepared to go if we don't have these first things in place. If we don't understand that the that true apostles actually have the authority and the right to impart gifts to actually because we you know, we've lived in a, in a vein. You all know I'm, I'm changing because I've lived in a vein of for a long time. And a lot of ministers are where everybody's the same. We're not the same in authority. We're not the same in power and we're not the same in assignment. There are differences. We are the same as brothers and sisters in Christ, but the road changes as we mature, right? I was telling some of you, and I'm going to prophesy again while my hand is here. I've been telling some of you, you're not in the same place as your friends anymore. 
And when you're not in a place, that same place as your friends anymore, and they cannot receive who you have become, adios. You cannot help them. You cannot guide them. You cannot lead them. You have to choose Jesus at all costs, no matter what it looks like. So I want you guys to just really get that because this is the season that we're in for us. I'm not speaking to the whole world. I'm talking to the conservatory. Am I where I can have impact? Because when you move from student to teacher, you're always a student. But when you start seeing yourself that you're listening to conversation you've listened to for weeks, for years, and all of a sudden you're like, that, that, that ain't right. Um, <clears throat> something's got to change. That's because you're being beckoned to release truth. And you can test that by releasing it. Amen. Amen. But that's it for that right there. Thank you. Thank you. So I want the question I'm going to ask you this morning when we go into Ephesians 2. And I'm going to need that red. Who has that pulled up? Have you been found alive or dead in Christ? Have you been found alive? I didn't want to put dead on the first slide, but here it is. This is what it says. It says, Ephesians 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Now, so I don't have to teach that what this, what does the course of this world looks like? Just in your own thinking, you can shout it out if people type or place that in the chat. I want to hear what the course of this world looks like for them. This isn't a trick, trick question. Turn into evil. Yes, absolutely. Any other comments? World. Absolutely. But guess what else? Is anybody typing online? The path of those not focused on Jesus. So can this be in the church and outside of the church? The course of this world is when we elevate for us, when we elevate everything else in our lives above God. Above God. And we've talked about that a lot. So I'm not going to dwell there for you but I want you to think about what course you are on what course you're on he said he made alive who were dead that word alive means resurrected revived rebirth brought forth it means you are thriving in the life of Christ not just alive and saved from the grave are you following me we're supposed to be a thriving people we're supposed to be a thriving people and sometimes we're not thriving, not thriving in, in the things you visibly see, but thriving in all the ways that, that Jesus defines as being alive. Are you with me? Want to make sure because y'all kind of quiet. Um, it says, 
according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. We've already, we already know that Satan is, has been given rule of this world system, but we know that the entire world is predicated on the turning of the church, right? What happens, we have delegated authority. Say, I have delegated authority. Say, the church has delegated authority. We have to recognize that because when we do, then we know that the things happening in the world, listen, we think it's the world that's causing all the problems. Are you following me? We are mistakenly believe that everything that's happening is because of the devil. What if I told you that the manifold wisdom of God declares that those who have been given divine authority over the earth are responsible for the direction that we're going in? Right? In the scribe school, you know, you know, one of my pet peeves is that people always complain about the educational system. And I has a pro- have a problem with that when you're the parent. You follow what I mean? How do you expect the devil to raise your kids the way you want to? Are you following me? So as we begin to look at being made alive, if you're sleeping on those kinds of things, something in you is dead. Are you following Just very simple example, but you can stack a whole lot of examples under that because you are the what? Church. (laughs) And you can say, well, I don't have money for private school, but you have a kitchen table. But I pray it's not enough with these. Are you following me? Not in this system. So if we're following the course of this world, I'm relying on this system to raise my children. I'm relying on this job to take care of me. I'm relying on this plan when I retire. Are you following me? Just some ideas. I know this is not what people generally equate, but did you know that thinking like that is sin? Did you know that that's the course? See, when we're saved, if, you know, the, the, the salvation I was taught, when we're saved, we think that's enough. We think not smoking is enough. We think not fornicating is enough. You, are you following me? Isn't it a delusion to think we're okay because those things aren't in our lives? Did you know it was a sin not to pray and the scripture says it? Second Samuel something. (laughs) God forbid. Judgment is attached to that. I'm telling you. Do you know it's ungodly not to read your word? How can you be made into righteousness and you have no prayer life, no word life, and no understanding? And then you're wondering why you're always on the course of this world. I know I could go deeper and talk about all the devils and all of that, but I need you to hear this differently this morning because sometimes we think we're alive and we're dead. We're dead 
to Christ. Are you following me? We're live to our song coming on and us bumping to it, shedding a few tears because of what we're going through, not because we're worshiping God. Can you see that? We weeping and hollering and crying because it hit our hurt. Not because we're remembering what to do, recalling what is required. He said, in which you once walked according to a course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. But even on the other side, after making the declarations, after worshiping, after saying the one prayer a week, we say when we gather, many of us are still fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And listen, he said, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And I just want to talk about that a little bit. I know we've talked about this when I, the very first Bible study we did. And it's interesting that we're re- revisiting this because that Bible study was God loves the world. I don't know if you all remember, but we talked about how the love of God, the love of God through Jesus Christ loves the world unto belief. That's how the world is loved. We did a whole month on that. God loves the world in the hope of their belief. I had somebody ask me a question one time and they were like, well, what's the greatest sin? I mean, it's obvious you don't believe. And the scripture tells us that it said, Jesus said, if I do not go the comfort cannot come. And he goes on and eventually gets to this point. He said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of, of sin, which, which he then parts and says, they do not believe in me. Then he goes on to righteousness. If somebody can find that um, scripture, it's in the book of John. It's real easy. It's one of those popular scriptures, and I just need you to shout it out because I want us to hear this. And this place of believing God in the book of John is not just saying, I believe that you are the son of the living God. I confess my sins and now repent. It's a belief in every area of growth, every area of development, every area and vice that we face. It's about believing God in every provision and everything that he said would happen. It's trusting that everything he said would believe we would believe. So we believe on him then every day our, our process of coming alive is understanding all the things within that that we must believe. My God, y'all should be happy about that because that's really what spiritual growth and development is. It's not just calming your fruit because fruit talk outside of the context of this is not really going to help us. So um, where is that passage? I can probably find it if I can grab my phone real quick. Okay, shout that to me.
Absolutely. Now, do you hear all of those parts? We're going to walk through those. We're going to walk through those because we have to understand that he took a pause after belief. So when we say that thousand people got saved because they raised their hand, does that mean anything? I can't stand that. If people are bragging and boasting about those things online, we have no idea what was going on in the hearts of those people. We have no idea how they process that concept. This is why we have to talk about salvation because salvation, the kind that the Bible teaches, creates a belief system that continues to grow. And not only does it grow, but what happens as it grows, it changes you. It transforms. There's a metamorphosis that takes place. People should see the difference manifesting. Oh, my goodness. Are you guys sleeping on me? No. Listen, it says, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. And just so you know, children of wrath are people that are outside of God. They're not in him. Those are unbelievers. But listen, those that he say he hate, lukewarm, he'd rather you be hot or cold. At least he knows where you stand. But he knows where we stand, right? But for us, we have to know if we're alive. If we're alive. If we're alive. Say, I am alive. I'm alive. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great Ahava, the covenant of marriage love, which is what we understand that to be. We're not talking an emotion here. We're talking about God's promise to give us everything he has as long as we're in covenant with him, with, with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This passage of scripture has been tormented and tortured more than I've ever seen it this last two decades. This passage of scripture is where people make others believe that everybody's saved. This is where this comes from if you don't understand what's happening here. But when we did our teaching seven years ago on the, the how God loved the world, we understand that he loved it unto hope. He loved it unto redemption. He loves who he created. But this is a, he sent Jesus for the opportunity for us to turn every single aspect of our wrath around. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We can take that passage further and we will next week. But I want to just stay here for now because of one thing. All of us here have professed. We have believed. We have said we're on the path and we're on the way. Does it take 30 years to reach a destination in God? Everything concerning us has been accelerated in this century. 
Everything is moving so fast. The years are flipping. Years are coming. It's like we blink and it's the next year. If this is happening and we're experiencing it, whether secular or sacred, everybody is saying this. What does it mean for our opportunities in the realm of the spirit? It's not taking God a thousand days to do anything with us right now. Are you ready to be alive? Man, for verse 8 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, that it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So again, how many people were saved? How many people showed up for the event? How many people this? How much this? How many this I got or that I got? How much money? Are you following? It's all irrelevant. It all does not add up to proof of anything. Because one thing I know about God, he uses people. (laughs) Why would God forsake an opportunity to save a... Arena full of people because that one person wasn't saved. I heard the Lord said, I will raise up a prophet among you. Scripture shows us how God used prophets of Baal. It shows how God used animals. It shows how, I mean, God can do whatever he wants. So while we see the truth, somebody's really being transformed. God will use whoever, but we don't want to be on that whoever side. We want to be on the deliberate, intentional side of God's work. We want to be vessels fitted. That's completely different than what we're seeing in the world. Oh, my goodness. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift, not a right. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I try to stay away from the predestination argument, but because this is how I understand this. You can interpret it your own way but I ask for your consideration because if we understand what God is doing the end game his intention what happens when this is all wrapped up then we know that his good works are only the works that lead to that so it's not really about your path are you following what I'm saying it's about how he's using you through your willingness And your opportunity to fulfill the plan that he set in motion before you. If we understand it like that, that theological argument doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Doesn't matter whether he had a plan for you. It does in your own life. It matters that he had a plan for you before the foundations of the world. Plans of hope and all that to give you a future. We understand that. But what I'm saying is the work and the works are not ours. They're his efforts. That's why if Teresa decides she's not going to do anything else today, God can get, God has already had somebody else in place to finish whatever it is that I and all those in the, in the veil of the matrix can redirect to get what God needs done. 
The sun does not fall and shine on any of us in that way. Have you been found alive or dead? And this is the last part. I'm not going to be long today. I just want to say to you that people who are alive are students of God. What has kept me, listen, hasn't been a person. It has, it's been, no matter how, whatever has happened, I study. I know how to cry out. I know how to pray. I know how to throw my hands up. Now, I might fight. But it's coming down the pipe. It's coming. I'm, I've always been like that. But if you are a person that's just stuck in the drain, there's no fight. There's no word. There's no prayer. You're, you're basics. I mean, this is your get up and have breakfast stuff. If none of that is there, you are probably dead. Didn't Sam teach about the fig tree? Minister Sam? That's what that looks like. You look, look, you look good. But you only know the same scripture you learned when you were a babe. You don't know anything else. I promise you, if I don't say anything else, if you read your word, I don't care where you open your Bible, just read. I fall asleep. Well, you fell asleep with a sentence. More than you had before you opened the Bible. Are you following me? I'm so serious. People ask you, how do you teach like that? What do you mean it developed with me? I can't teach you that. God used myself to teach me how to teach. Are you following me? Listen, when I listen to you guys teach, one of the things that blesses me so much, I hear myself, but you don't sound like me. You know what I mean? You're not clones. You have your own processing mechanism. And we all have our own delivery. And we're only together because we share frequency in God. It's so important that if you're trying to grow in God, it's not about connecting just with, with people. It's about doing, what do they call it? Oh, my goodness. Um, this following out spiritual formation and the spiritual disciplines. One of the things I did like about seminary was that they were big on spiritual disciplines. And when you disciple somebody, prayerfully, if you're doing it right, these spiritual disciplines cross, I don't care what denomination you're in, well, not a couple of them, because they, they don't like for you to read your Bible yourself, right? So one of the disciplines that we always had, the first thing was, listen, reading the Bible. There is no way, and I mean a real Bible, I'm going to just tell you, y'all have seen some of my writings. I do not like paraphrased Bibles for babies. I'm, I don't bother people about the Bible they like to read, especially if you're mature. Read 10. I read 10 Bibles. 
Aramaic one, Hebrew one. I, I just, this is me. I'm built to be that way though. I'm a scholar. There's nothing wrong with how I study or what I study, but I, because that's a part of my design, but it might be different for you. But I recommend Bibles that you, that are literal for study so that you can study, 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 study. And all I ask for new believers to study is pretty much the gospels in the beginning. And I always say to them, if you're going to be studying the gospels, these are some things you need to pay attention to. What are the core tenets of faith that you need to be on the lookout for? Some of us sitting up here don't even know what those are. I'm just talking across the board, not people in this room. I'm just making a statement. Because without that, I know you didn't expect this this morning, but you're dead without the basics. There is no, nothing can grow from a ground that's not been tilled. Nothing. We did a garden thing last year with one of the slides. When I was young, my dad would tell me, this is not the season to till the ground. We got to wait until this time for this crop, this time for the other crop. And he would um, get, he had a plow, not a tractor. He didn't have a tractor. This was a long time ago. But he had this plow and he would walk with it. And he would tell me stories about his father, his grandfather, which would be my whatever, but he would tell me stories about his grandfather and they would, he would talk about how his plow was pulled by mules and he would describe how they knew when it was time to till the ground and when it was time to plant. But if you but listen, if you don't till that ground in two years, it's like rocks. It's like rocks. I'm talking farmland. And what's crazy is it's so full of weeds, it's not useful to grow anything. You literally have to nurture the ground almost the whole year before it's usable again to plant anything in it. God is just profound in how he reveals himself. Farming is a big deal. And you can't grow everything in every type of soil. When my dad would tell me that, and we're walking by, he said, this soil is only good for corn, Risa. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, feel it. But this over here, you can grow greens. You can grow this, but then you got to watch out for the deer and the rabbits. And I was like, I'm just a little girl. But today, that applies to the word. Just because you have been saved and you feel like you feel the love of God and you feel like you hear him a little bit does not mean you're alive. Life looks different. It responds differently to everything. We're all somewhere right now. But when can you be in the where that you're rising above Oh, that obstacle. Oh, I'm above that. And you're going up instead of constantly sliding down a mudslide. When it rains on a field and saturation comes, because sometimes saturation is not the water of the word. It's the weight of the world. 
and you just sink in the soil. You cannot plant anything in a saturated ground. Maybe, but it's a specific type of ground. You can't even plant rice in a soggy field, especially if that field is not meant to stay mulched and saturated for the season of the rice. Are you following me? But you can't grow anything else in there. It's like that with us. So we're either sliding down, and most of us are on, are on this, this roller coaster. Some aren't on a roller coaster at all. They just dead. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that today? Listen, I want you to know that God really is looking for the best of you every day, not just this year. He was looking for the best of you last year and the year before that and the year before that. But we have a new opportunity now to be found alive. I can't help anybody be found alive. The watering of the word should make you alive. It should make you want to live. It should make you want to thrive. But we have a lot of choices because when we are made alive, the scripture clearly showed us we do the work ordained for us. And we carry it forth, not out of our own will, but his. There is something for everyone to do. And it's often not what we sometimes think it is. But the first thing is getting our hearts right. We don't want to be found dead, do we? We want to be found alive. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for leading and guiding your people. We thank you, Father, that this word did not fall on stony ground, Father, but that it fell on ground that's being tilled even now. Father, we thank you that what you are sharing with us is coming against every argument for us to stay the same, every argument for us, our lackadaisicalness, for our just indifference. Father, I just pray that we are not an indifferent people. I thank you, Lord, that you are pushing us in the conservatory out of those places of complacency, that we can be profitable to you, profitable to one another, profitable to the stranger, that we can add to a person's life instead of take it away. Father, we don't want to be the person that takes it away. And may we understand taking away from a very practical perspective. It's not about, I'm not bothering you. Help somebody. Help somebody in their faith. Help somebody in their encouragement. Help somebody in the things of God. Help push people to their next place. Don't just sit down in the couch of life and just live till you die. Father, that won't be us. We want everything that you have for us. Lord, I'm talking personally. Not the stuff of the world, because if we're right on the inside, if we're moving forward on the inside, Father, this is a ministry of grace. It's a ministry of mercy. And it always will be. But not without pushing people into their next place in you. 
And Father, I pray that you give them the stamina. You give them the strength. You give them the desire to move past the things that hold them back the most. Lord, they're mine. You said we are to love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And you said it in that order. Whatever's in the mind must come to the heart. Whatever in the heart must be processed through the mind. And we need your strength to do it. I want to go back. And it says, and you, he made alive. Lord, you made us alive. You made us alive. Allow us to take hold of the life in Christ that you have given us. You made us alive in every trespass and in every sin. And Father, we are believing that today. Wherever we are in our sin, because we can be full-blown sinners right now professing Jesus. In ways we haven't even considered. All you ask is that we know you. And make you known. And there's no better way to know you. There is not than through your word and through our connected prayer lives to your word in Jesus' name. Father, we declare and decree clarity concerning what we need to do. Father, we, we declare and decree that they're going to have a hunger and a thirst for the word because they're going to say, I desire it. I can't pray that on them. I can't give that to them, but they can declare it. And they can put it into action. I'm going to read my Bible this morning. Oh, I have to get ready for work. Play the word while you're getting ready for work. Play it while you're driving to work. Oh, my God. We're thankful. We're thankful. We're grateful. And, Father, we just thank you. Everybody just stand again. And just repeat after me. Father, forgive me. I have not been a steward, a good steward, in all the ways that's required over my own self, over my own heart, over my own mind, over my own spiritual growth and development. I have chosen and placed everything else before you. My struggles, my hardship, my unfulfilled promises, my social life, my things I like to do. I've placed everything above developing my relationship with you in certain areas are in every area of my life. Today, Lord, I'm turning it around. Today, Lord, I'm making some declarations in my own heart concerning how I can live and not die. And let's just take a few minutes to do that. Take the time. I don't know what you need. 
like God knows what you need. But I know he needs more from all of us than what we've been given to him. And even our greatest release to him, there's still more. And so, Father, I just pray that you show them the areas that they need to come up. If they're at the baby Christian level, because some are, the baby Christian level is, I don't read my word, so I need to read my word. The baby Christian level is, I don't really pray. I don't use my tongue language. Let me get activated in that again. Because if you don't understand the power of those two things, you are a baby. A baby believer. I don't care how many years are behind it. But somewhere along the way, you stop growing. God doesn't want you to listen to my voice. He wants you to hear him. He wants you to hear him from, from where you are. And he wants to help you turn it around. Listen, the scripture says that I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. I've given you everything you need. You don't need another counselor. You don't need another prophet. What you need to do is make sure you're doing the first work. Because listen, listen, God helps those that are moving forward. We've moved past the time of being babies. Some of us too old for that anyway. We should be able to deal with ourselves. God is not doing that for some of you because you know better. Listen, when that is needed, God knows how to raise up whoever needs to minister to you in that way. But today is decision time for you. Time is wasting. Tomorrow is not promised. It's not promised. He wants everything from you right now. How dare you not just read your word? Because you know what that means? It means, oh my God, I want to know you better than I ever have before. That's what that means. Oh my God, I don't know how to pray. You know how to complain, you can pray. It's the opposite of that with his word. You know how to moan and groan? Make them groanings. Make them intercession. You had not used your spiritual language in 20 years? It's okay. He'll give it to you right now. Right now. Right now. I'm telling you, there's power in that. Sometimes all I can do is pray in my heavenly language. Nothing else is working. It's the only thing that gives me breakthrough. It's the only thing that can cause me to hear God sometimes. But guess what? That's for everybody to be able to do that but listen the thing is weeping only lasts for a moment 
Joy comes in the morning. Isaiah 61 is true to every word. And in this season, God is rebuilding the broken places in us. He's making a way and he's doing it quick. You don't have to sit around and tell all these sob stories of your life. After you reach a certain age, nobody want to hear all of that. Let's give it to God. Let's give it to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're online, come on. Come on. Feels good not to have to tell stories, but to just say, here I am. He knows every sorrow. Listen, he's captured every one of your tears in a bottle. Tears are not just liquid. They're your cries. There's your moans and your groanings before God. But you have to cast your cares on him. The scripture says, cast your cares where he cares for you. The scripture tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, compassion fell on him. The scripture says that his spirit just went out over the people. That's how moved he was by their condition. And he knew only the spirit, only the power of God could change their situations and circumstances. But there's a yes required from us. There's a yes. Say yes. Come on, you guys. Say yes. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. To your will and your way. I say yes. means to you right now only the Lord knows you might have to say yes a million times before tomorrow but every single time you feel yourself going back to that old man that old complacent dead place you must say yes I say yes Lord to your will and 
to see your let you see yourself resurrecting right now if you would trust me i'm gonna let you see your own resurrection in your mind's eye in your heart i'm gonna cause you to see me turning your situation and your circumstance around i'm gonna cause you to see me causing your fire to be before you where you can see it i'm gonna cause you to see yourself burning in me i'm gonna cause you to see they're digging away these dead places. I'm going to cause you to see yourself digging yourself out of the grave. And I'm going to remind you of this picture. And I'm going to cause everything that you see to awaken as my word before you. You will remember and recall the scriptures that give life. And you will say yes even more. This is the season for you believing me concerning yourself. And where you are. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. It's a yes for me. I pray it's a yes for you. We're taking up our beds. Every day, we're making a decision to get up and walk this out. Every day. Not just in this moment, but every day. Amen. No questions today after service, no discussion. But 